Hey y'all, Alan here, and welcome to A Journey's Rest, a podcast focused on the vast but deep set of topics about the complexity and joy of roleplay games. Whether you need to attune to a magic item, regain some hit points, change out spells, or just reminisce with friends, here we just sit down for a round. Wait, Zach, did we actually make it just an hour this time? No shit. Okay. Here we just sit down for around about an hour and enjoy ourselves. We're back again, and this time we discuss the logistics of running a game of D&D. This includes clarifying player and DM expectations, puzzling through the nature of ongoing problems, and working through conflicts of interest. Sit back, grab a nice glass of malted Cheeto powder and your favorite Macedonian effigy, and... (laughs) Oh, I should not have let Zach write these. (laughs) Sit back, grab a nice glass of malted Cheeto powder and your favorite Macedonian effigy, and meticulously transcribe this entire podcast into the demonic language of your choice, for relaxation! And if you have any questions or comments, you can just feed them to the donkey. Hope you enjoy. (laughs) Time for the glancing. Podcast has begun. Good. Thank you, Zach. All right. Hello, hello, Alan. How are um, you? I'm doing good. I'm actually, I'm really excited. Um, this this podcast has been one that I'm I'm super hyped for for a while because yeah. I think it addresses a lot of things that we've had to deal with as people mm-hmm. and dogs. Yep, everyone knows. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Um, you yeah, inject that so one much. Me, I'll be honest. You inject, Usually, I can bounce back. You inject so much me. chaos into this podcast on a normal rate. I'm like, huh, I gotta, I gotta pick up my game, <laughs> man. So I'm just, I'm sitting here like, oh, you know what, Zach? Sometimes, like last time when we did the whole goats outro, I was like, I was like, ah, goddamn, I don't know what the fuck to do here. But then, you know what? We got through it. We did it. And I was like, man, I gotta inject some chaos so that Zach feels like. He's not the only one who carries this podcast. You know what I mean? I definitely don't carry it. I'm like, if I'm the dude on top of the, like, goddamn hot air balloon just slashing away and everybody mm-hmm. else is, stop, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm helping us fly. What, what are you, you talking about? about? I'm flying. I'm flying the hot air balloon. This is how flying works. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, with that incredible amount of nonsense. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, did, I will, okay. We got to say this, though. This uh podcast in particular so the concept of the podcast as a whole has evolved from alan and i just having conversations about D D. but yeah. this specific podcast has has come about because i mean we were getting ready to record the podcast and we just started talking about D. so yeah. this subject leads into what we're going to talk about yeah. today which is session zero and like kind of expectations like yep. troubleshooting as a dm like trying to cater to your players and that kind of thing exactly exactly so i would say that gosh it's it's super hard sometimes trying to have deep and meaningful sessions or even fun and energetic sessions when you all aren't on the same page right yeah because when you start to like talk to each other as a group uh, when you play D, it's super important to make sure that everybody wants the same thing out of the game 
right? And so yeah. there have been many times when I've had like session zeros where I'm like, this is how I like to run a game. Uh, and, you know, like I, I feel good about it. But there have been a couple times where there have been times where I'm like, okay, what do we all want out of this game? And I just don't feel like I have the conversation in the right way, maybe. And it all mm. like suddenly just comes crashing down and is not great. Totally, man. Well, there's a couple aspects to consider there, right? Like, for one thing, new players or inexperienced players, even if it's not their first game, probably aren't really going to know what they want right. at all. Right. And then, like, also what you want can change. You can become interested in something that you weren't interested in at the beginning of the campaign or yeah. vice versa. It can lose its luster. We've talked about, like, DM inspiration and stuff and where you draw that from. But that also applies to, like, the players. Like, if your inspiration as a DM is really cool to you but not to the players, yeah. that can become problematic. Totally, totally. I don't know about you, but, like, I, as a DM, I definitely try to always have, like, a session zero. I, I think you do that, too. But yeah. it... it kind of doesn't really work because yeah i feel the same way where like i don't really know how to have the right kind of conversation like i don't know how to bring up the necessary things that i need to bring up in the right way that people will actually know the answer right you know i don't know i, th I think that, i think oftentimes i look at things on online and they offer me a template right and it's like Talk to your characters or characters, your players about this. Jeez. Talk to your players about this. Talk to your players about this. You're all just right? characters. To You're me. all just pawns in my game. Uh, no, I mean, what? I wouldn't admit that openly. <laughs> but I <laughs> I would say things oftentimes I'm given like a, a, a template, right? And so what I look at, I say, okay, well, what can I do to make sure that I hit all these correct bullet points, right? Yeah. But sometimes I can do all that. Everybody can agree with all that. We can all be, feel like we're on the same page, but people don't really understand that, uh, what all that means until they actually start playing the game, especially for new players. Because when they start yeah. doing things, they're like, oh, this is way different than I expected it to be. And so maybe I would have approached that session zero differently. Absolutely. I was just talking to like an uh, a person who had their first ever game of D&D &D, or it wasn't technically the first but it was pretty much the first like real experience of Dungeons and Dragons with me I was DMing and you were actually playing in that game that was the space western oh yeah, yeah yeah and for anyone who immediately just like shakes their head at that name you know what I don't have to I don't have to like explain <laughs> myself to you we I can could. do whatever I want I can do an anime game yes. I can do anything I want you can't stop me yeah it's don't fine. don't tell me how to live my D&D &D &D life and that's I also, dr drinks in Dungeons and Dragons because <laughs> exactly sometimes totally. in those type of games you need to bring drinks too. So I mean, but that's a whole nother podcast. That's down and the dr line. Drinking, a bit. it is. No, <laughs> we can, we're going to talk about like our substance abuse problem podcast. That yes, come eventually. yes. That's actually a whole um, nother podcast where just like it's like literally it's not a journey's rest. It's a separate podcast where we just go on and it's not even that we're talking about anything of substance. We just talk. Yep. While we're no, drunk. so actually, <laughs> no, um, Alan and I are both metaphysical beings uh, who come from an extra dimension, and so this is just <laughs> one of many podcasts that we do. But this is the only one that bleeds yes. into the Earth realm. Yeah, so. it's really funny because on Zalathor, I mean, like they really like the substance abuse podcast, but they the are also podcast. It's like a huge party planet, though. So I'm not yeah. sure 
how I much think credibility they just abuse substances yeah the whole time yeah that's what's going on it's super they weird though because like advice. substances like it, they take on a whole new form there but let, let's get back to this no one's going to understand what we're talking about right now zach <laughs> that was a very bad joke <laughs> okay so so I, I think that i think that um Generally, though, I think that it's super important to try and maybe even come back. Maybe session zero is an incorrect term in general, because at a certain point, especially with new players, again, coming back and saying, "Okay, what what did we talk about on session zero? Having like a session 0.5 after like session five would be reasonable, right? Maybe yeah. we all come back to that center point and say, is are we still getting what we wanted out of the game? And sometimes that's hard because people just kind of want to come to the game and play the game and not really have to worry about all of the nitty gritty stuff that the DM has to worry about, right? Like they don't yeah. want to come in and be like, oh, am I doing a good enough job? They just kind of want to come in and play with their characters and just say, all yeah. right, I'm here, I'm killing some monsters and I'll leave it. 10 you know what i mean so yeah no totally i mean that even gets into like varying responsibilities for the game and who who how much is the dm shouldering how much control does the dm have and stuff like that you know right um no so this is honestly like a major weakness of mine that i think is like i conduct session zeros and they're very hard for me i have a really hard time like Especially when it comes to like non-game stuff, like attendance and things like that, I'm mm-hmm. I really like playing D and D a lot, as might be kind of obvious. Right. So I have a right. really hard time when people are like, "Oh, well, I mean, if I want to do other stuff or if other things pop up, I need to be able to cancel." And I'm like, mm, "I mean, no. yeah, you're right. That's a totally reasonable request. I don't want that though." And it's like it's it's very hard to. To find, it can be really hard to find middle ground. Yeah. And even if you do, it can be hard to stick to that as as both sides. So, like, a really good example of this is um, I once was playing with this one particular group, and I played a game ran by a person whom I will call Q. Mm-hmm. And Q did a session zero and was like, well, I'm going to do, like, dark fantasy and stuff like that. And how do you guys feel about that? And I was like, yeah, dark fantasy is kind of cool, but, like... I was, I don't know, I was kind of looking for, like, you know, to tell my own story as as a character. And then he, he was like, yeah, of course, I could build that in. And he, he tried. Honestly, he did. But it kind of petered out, you know? It wasn't like, it was, I mean, he already had a whole story laid out that he wanted to do. Yeah. So, in a way, the session zero was kind of a moot point. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I agree with you. I think session zeros should be... It's a not a good term. It's something that you should come back to with relative frequency. And, yeah. and your group should be a place where everyone can open up about what they want and, and open up about how they're feeling and stuff, you know? I think the most success I've had in this type of realm is kind of when you and I talked about our D&D games together, right? Because when I think that you and I kind of had those discussions outside of the game, that was almost like repeating session zero and making sure that we kind of got back to the places where we wanted to be, right? Absolutely. Because if we started saying, okay, well, like, I feel this way, and then you would come back and be like, oh, well... Maybe there's these things that you should be looking for or vice versa when the same thing would happen and I would say those type of things. That's, I think, to me, the place where it probably came to be the most like having a session 0.5 or whatever we want to call it, right? It's not really like a... 
a session zero. I don't really know what to call it at this point. Um, I would say it's like, like check in. I mean, yeah, check in session. I think a check in session, like initial check in session, would be would be good, right? So I would say that having those type of check ins is super important, and I think that comes back to a lot of like communicating with your dungeon master as well, because that type of stuff is like mega important. So totally. um, yeah, I would say that. Um, if you can have those with your DM, do that a lot. But I would say, like, it's 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 difficult as a DM too, though, right? Because especially when you're talking about Q, some DMs have a story they want to tell, and they kind of mm-hmm. want people to play in the space. But some people really want to, um, they want to be a part of that space, right? And and that's great. But if you have conflicting ways that you're trying to get to the same endpoint or what you think is the same endpoint, then it's hard to really mesh those two together because then all of a sudden you're trying to do different things. And I'm not going to say that I think that that type of style, you know, going in with a pre-built story and having people run through your story is like a bad way to do it because obviously it's not like a lot of modules like i mean dnd is built off of modules right like totally it, it, it's super reasonable for people to run modules and a lot of people enjoy it that way right and a lot of people can work bits of uh of their own like role play their characters role play into those modules that's super reasonable and yeah I think that that's a very valid way to play the game. I'm not going to like drag on anyone who does that. That that would be ridiculous because that's just a very reasonable way to play the game. But for other people like me, like I really want to create a custom game almost exclusively around my players, right? That's yeah. how I like to DM, right? I kind of like to jump in and be like, okay, I'm going to throw some cool things at everybody. And then when I find something that I like that the players latch into, I'll run with that, right? Interesting. And so that, for me, has been really successful, especially in my most recent campaign. Uh, I'm running a campaign in a place called Lefwakesh. And in Lefwakesh, I kind of just had this idea. I was like, there's going to be this big valley in the desert where there's a bunch of bad tombs, and you got to go and figure out why they just appeared in the middle of nowhere. And whatever. And I had no idea yeah. about what was going to go on or not. I li- literally, totally. the first session, I was like, you're walking to the tombs, you fight a boulette. And I just said, you talk, and then you fight a boulette. And that's the whole session one. I didn't plan anything beyond that. I kind of had the general overview. And then I let, basically, my most prep time was me talking maybe an hour and a half with each person about who their character was, what their motivations were. My whole prep time for ses- for the first session was trying to talk to the people about who, like, who they were. And that kind of showed them, I think, in that type of respect, how I wanted to play the game, right? I said, you make characters that are interesting and the game will make itself, right? Pretty much. And so no, that I was- I mean, that's d and I totally right, agree with that. Right. Uh, and so that was basically my goal. And like, I had like all these characters, they were just like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? And then it would just be this whole smorgasbord of like people just talking to each other and it worked out great, right? And and for that that's type awesome. of experience, that's good. But some people um, might come in and be like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't really wanna participate, but like I want to be moving forward. And for them, a role play heavy game just doesn't make as much sense, right? 
and, yeah. and that's valid, right? I want to, if they don't want to participate, sorry, let me, let me re redact that. They don't want to participate in role play as much. That's, that's what I'm trying to aim at here. But like, they don't have to role play. And like playing D&D &D is like, you, even though it's not the way that I like to play it, like it's super reasonable to play it as like a hack and slasher too. So, but like you have to all be on the same page. And I think it comes down a lot to DMing style. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think, um, I mean, I've had session zeros where um, it's basically like, I'm like, I want to run a campaign in this and I want to do environmental storytelling and, and you know, I, I have all this stuff, but what are you guys into? And they're like, oh, we want to do murder hobos like hack and slash. And I'm like, okay. They're like, yeah, we want to do like a dungeon crawler campaign for like three months and then that's it. And we meet every other week. And I'm like, okay yeah like what do you ha there has to be a compromise there but i agree that what do you do when your characters want to play a game you don't want to play what do Honestly, you do when you want to play a game when you're that your characters don't want to play right that happens yeah. and it can be really crappy especially with new players when you get deep into a campaign and then you realize oh they're not really into this yeah i i definitely think that that's that's a problem and a, yeah. a scary problem right you can hit that wall and be like oh my god no one wants no one's really into this and we're like a year into this campaign and i don't think anybody's actually really into this right exactly and i had like uh i i have had instances of that before where it just feels like i hit this wall and i'm like i just don't think this is gonna go out the way that i hoped it would hopefully like we can just kind of move it on get it done and then kind of move forward and stop it at a point where we can all understand that like, yeah, it's good. It's fine. Like right now it may not have been everything that we wanted it to be, but we've all kind of like learned a little bit more and stuff like that. So um, I would say though, if, if they come off the bat and they're like, I would really like to run, you know, um, I, I want to go and, and uh, uh, kill some goblins and I want to fight a dragon. And it's like, all right, man, like, that's super cool. I won't have fun DMing that though, right? Exactly. Like, I, I, I think you should say that point blank to them. If you come mm -hmm. at a player and they're like, I wanna do this. And you're like, I will not have fun doing that. And if they say, I don't really care towards that, that's and a that's just like that's already a bad games. situation, right? Yeah. But like, no, I if, agree, I agree. And I that was an extreme example for sure. But. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think that generally that's a, that's probably a pretty reasonable way to attack it is to just say like, look, I'm going to tell you straight up, that would be unfun for me. I don't enjoy yeah. doing that because it just feels like it feels so boring and mindless and like not for me. Right. And, and you know what? Some people enjoy doing that. Right. But mm -hmm. I guess calling it mindless is, is incorrect. Right. But for, it's for just me, not your piece, it's not of, my, piece it's, of the pie. It's not mine either. Right. It's so. just not for me. And so, um, yeah, my apologies. That's, it's not mindless, of course, if you want to play that way. That's super reasonable. But, like, I just don't... It's not for me, right? And and if you're not going to have fun doing that, like, a lot of people would be like, I don't really want to run intrigue-heavy games. That seems like so much work. And, like, it, it super is. So, yeah. like, that's reasonable. But, like, you have to be up straight up with your, your players, right? If your players are like, I want critical role. Yeah. You have to be like, no. <laughs> I don't know if I can deliver that. I don't know. I, like, it's hard. It's hard to deliver that type of material, especially consistency, mm -hmm. consistently, right? Um, and, and I think that a lot of people just don't, like, 
I think this kind of like bakes into a little bit of like the Matt Mercer syndrome, right? I think that this is kind of, um, uh, it or the Matt Mercer effect. Is that what it is? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Matt Mercer effect, right? Um, but I think that a lot of people I have seen horror stories of online, they expect games to be this like hyper intense story based character driven uh, incredible studies of things that are yeah. going on in the world. And then they get to the game and the DM's like, ah, guys, I tried really hard on this. I hope you like it. And then it just like, it's not run the way like Matt Mercer runs his games or anything like that. Like it just gets to be like this really frustrating thing. And I've heard so many horror stories about that type of thing. And coming into D and D with like huge overarching expectations like that, that is, is almost never healthy for the game as a whole. Yeah, I, I agree. And we've talked about this before. I, I think that, I think they call it the Mercer effect. Is sure. that, is like, yeah, it's just, I mean, Matthew Mercer is a wonderful, wonderful DM. Uh, of course, yeah. Honestly, I don't think he's bulletproof, but um, I, regardless, he definitely sets a very high standard. And that's like, I don't know, that's very daunting for someone who's like, oh, you want me to do that? Right. I don't know if I could do that. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and they shouldn't. Honestly, even if you could even if you can, you shouldn't. You shouldn't DM the way Matt Mercer DMs. You should DM how you DM, right? right? That's that gets into like creativity and all that. But like I think I think tr- like so the problem is a lot of the time session 0 doesn't get all these things out of the way. People, you may ask them, what do you guys want out of this campaign? I just did it like two weeks ago. I was like, what do you guys want out of this campaign? And everyone was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. And that's fine. Of course they don't. Like that, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But sooner or later they will, whether, whether consciously or whether it becomes obvious to you as a DM, sooner or later, you're going to get a notion for what they like and what they don't like and what they're interested in and what they're not interested in. Yep. So this gets into like troubleshooting as a DM. I'm sure you've run into this, Alan. So yeah. what, what are some of your strategies for trying to, like, mediate? Um, and we've I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but specifically trying to figure out what's wrong with the ca- campaign. You, yeah. Earlier before earlier on, we were talking about, like, um, something just doesn't feel right in a game. And, like, what do you do when that's the case? What do you look to? Yeah, I think that, um, hmm, what do I look to? I think what I generally will do is something along the lines of like, you know, contacting my players, right? I'll say, hey, what do you what do you want here? Like, do you enjoy what's happening? Do you want something else to happen? Are you having a nice time? Do you feel like it's a chore coming to D&D on these days, right? I will try yeah. and have these open conversations with them. And oftentimes that's valuable. And oftentimes that can be stressful for people who don't like having those conversations, especially if it's ever with a problem player. Um, uh, I don't have very many problem players, but I've had times before I'm like, hey man, like I'm trying really hard to like give you some role play here, but it just does not feel like you're latching in. Right. Or, or something like that. And it'll yeah. be it'll be difficult. Um, and I think that the way that I've done that in the past generally is just sit down with the player, be like, I'm not here to like sugarcoat this for you. I Here's the story. Here's what we're trying to do. Are you interested in doing this? If you're not, that's OK. But we have to figure out how to remedy that. Right. Yeah. So I think oftentimes I will sit down with people and do that. Um, I think I will also kind of try and get a feel for where the players want to go. Um, but I think 
when yeah when you have a general idea of where you want things to go and the players are kind of like unhooked into that it can be hard to really like change course so drastically sometimes too um so i i think that's a big problem with that type of solution but yeah just talking to players i think is the most valuable thing to do what about you um i think honestly the first thing that i usually look to is me i'm like okay well what do i why do i feel like something is wrong like what do i want yeah and once i have that figured out what i want uh can often explain it but um I, I agree. Like there's there's various things. Sometimes it's obvious that it's coming from a player, but you don't really know why they're not participating or what's going on with them. Yeah. And sometimes that really has nothing to do with the game. Maybe someone's going through a hard time in their life or something like that. And and that's totally fair. That definitely happens. And yep. unfortunately, real life totally gets in the way of, of D&D sometimes. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I should phrase it like that, but it happens, oh, right? It like does. everybody has bad sessions. And it's most obvious when it's the DM, but it's obvious to the DM when a when a, it happens to a player as well. So yeah, um, I think yeah. Normally I look to myself and I figure out like what do I want and why am I not getting it? And then if that doesn't really solve the problem, then I will start examining other aspects of the game. Like, are we just not playing often enough? Is something specific happening? Maybe there was an event that I portrayed in a bad way or something like that. That's definitely happened to me before. Um, I think part of the problem for me and why session zeros and like expectations of a game are such a weak point for me is I really gravitate super hard. So I will set out, uh, okay. I have a really good ex- example of this. I, I will set out in, in, as a DM, uh, early on in a game to do something and I just twisted and bended and it, and I do a lot of work. But sooner or later, it kind of changes its its morph to be something totally different. And and so a really good example of this is the Space Western. Mm-hmm. We started that game off and it was a Space Western kind of cowboy bebop type deal. Yeah. And I rewrote the rules a bunch of times. And that was one aspect of it. I introduced like various aspects that really had nothing to do with it such as the superpowers that i gave all of the players which completely broke the entire game that i had so painstakingly (laughs) written and by the end i had introduced i had like basically i think i I had had you guys pick like various races of humans which had spread out through the stars because it was like our solar system so there was like different races and stuff there was like martians and venusians and jovians from from jupiter and stuff um and I, it just kind of started disintegrating the core of what a space western is. Sure. Com- I mean, completely, right? I'll, to yeah. the point where it actually affected some of the characters, yours included. Like, y- you weren't... The environment was a space western, but the game didn't really feel that way anymore. It kind of wound up feeling like this epic space battle thing. I don't know. It was really weird. It had a, a whole vibe of its own, which is kind of cool on one hand. But on the other hand, if someone had gotten into that really wanting to play space western they may have been disappointed because it really wasn't a space western by the end it was a space western inspired genre with its own system and all of these all this crazy shit going on you know so i think that's a huge weakness for me as a dm is um i may set out to do something but i will tend to gravitate to things that i think are cool which is okay then that's fine but it does make it hard for harder for me to permanently cater to players unless i go about it in a certain way 
I think it's valuable to um, to remember that you're a player, right? You want to have fun too. True. But I think it has to always, as a DM, you have to do a little bit of extra work in saying, I want to do this. This is fun for me. Will this change things for my players to a point where it's not fun for them? Right? That's important. Totally. And so I think sometimes that can be missed sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think that that's happened? Do you think that you have made a point in in those type of rules changes where it has become something over time that you have felt regret about doing because it seemed to have like negatively overall affected the players and you? Um, I don't really. No, I don't. I, I, I mean, I think everybody always has fun or has the fun that they're going to have. And honestly, I just try to learn from it and be like, OK, well. Maybe I shouldn't have just done superpowers. I don't know. I think part of the reason I did that is because at the time, the characters didn't really, or some of the characters didn't feel like they had enough of their own definition. So then I was freaking out about that a little bit. And I was just like, uh, superpowers, I don't know, whatever. Yep. Um, It ended up being cool. It ended up being interesting. Uh, It wasn't a space western at all. <laughs> but, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there have been other games that I have set out. Uh, such as Edia, I've set out to to tell a certain story, and then I have the opposite problem where I like can't adapt or I won't adapt to the players as much as I should, and sure. and I won't like change the story. And w- I mean, we've talked about the ending of Edia, so everybody knows how that kind of turned out. Yeah, and my over dedication to Ceres as a villain and the the overwhelming power that she possessed mm-hmm. was kind of the the entire campaign's undoing so if if you guys want to listen to that peep back to episode three and you'll be able to shameless plug well it's our podcast i can talk about our podcast on our podcast whenever i want to it's sorry everybody i got a little heated there my apologies i'll calm down um but no i was gonna say like i think i've had that problem too so i think for me when i was playing or dming ebonvale right i would say that I had a story that I knew I wanted to tell, but I don't think that I flexed enough with the players um, because I think it came to a point where I didn't feel like I could really merge what the players wanted and what I wanted for everyone, right? Because there were some players who were just like, I'm just going Yeah. And then there are some players who were like, I really want to interact in this way. Oh, good point. But those two things didn't align, right? Player uh-huh. versus player desire is also super important because I think up to this point in the podcast, we've kind of addressed players as a homogenous entity. and mm-hmm. But they're not. They're not, right? Because like one player could be like, I just want to go through and I want to listen to Alan's story, right? But other people would be like, I want to interact deeply with Alan's story. And for some people, they're just like, well, I, just, I feel like I'm just going to sit around and do nothing during that. And that's, yeah, that's a whole different problem. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean, okay, so I would say that in the majority of games that I've played in, just because of when I started playing and at what age and with what group and everything, um, it was basically like, oh, you didn't have fun? Well, we all had fun, so you should just not play in the next game then, and that's fine. And so that it would, like, literally determine friendships wow. and, like, weed people out of the group and stuff, and it was, was kind of toxic, but... Um, <laughs> It was also then we would end up with groups of people who all wanted to do the same thing in the game, more or less. And honestly, I think I was kind of the black sheep of that because I was like, 
no, I'm definitely sticking around. Yeah. Uh, but you, we're going to have a story now. So I'll just DM and then you guys can deal with it. You guys can come and smash they my wound crystal up actually, ball. Yeah. No, they actually want true, but they, they did wind up liking that, um, which was good. I'm not going to say that I was the only DM with the story there, but I definitely was the person who fixated on that the most. Other DMs in that group would be like, oh, I got to make sure these stats are balanced. And I was like, I don't care. What's whatever. I don't know anything about this game. Let's just... (laughs) Yeah, dude, Pay I, attention to the villain now. I remember there was one game. We were playing the, the original game, like the first one that I had ever played with you. And it was somewhere along the lines of just like, go to this village, free them from this thing, fight this demon. Okay, bye. And that was it. So I think yep, that was like the entirety much. of it. But like I literally just like halfway through realized Zach doesn't fucking own these rule books. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he's just not doing anything like with these rule books. Oh my God, I didn't. You didn't know. Like I was like, oh, you know this class? And you're like, no. And I was like, what are you doing? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> And I was, there was literally a time, I was like, oh yeah, my monk ability that lets me do this. And you're like, they can do that? And I'm like, yeah, it's in the player's handbook. What do you want? Like, what do you mean? And then you just are like, here's some dude, fight him. And I was like, that's not an ability. I don't know what that means. What the fuck? And I just realized halfway through, you just did not have the rule books. And you were just, you were just flying by the seat of your pants. shit up. I was, yep. I was like, I know 3.5. That means I know fifth edition. Yeah. They're basically the same thing, right? Nope. They were not at all. I Don't just do remember that. You just consistently being like, roll a fortitude save. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> That's not it. That doesn't exist. I was like, yeah. what is a fortitude save? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my God. But no, I think that was, I, I, that, that felt like to me, one of those sessions where you were trying to, you know, weed people out and just try and feel it out. But that's, that I mean, was that's for fun. sure a vetting campaign yeah, yeah. or set, whatever game. And maybe that's um, a, an attack strategy that you've utilized to try and figure out that, you know, getting players to be a more homogenous entity before you can actually talk to them about what they want to do in the game, right? Yeah, true. Definitely true. I, I think there is something to be said, though, for like, um, what do you do as a DM when your players don't want the same thing out of the game? And honestly, I really experienced that a lot in, in Edia. I, I feel like there was like, um, uh, a person whom we shall refer to as, uh, uh, Frittany. (laughs) (laughs) Frittany really wanted something different from the campaign than you and Jerry did. Sure. Um, which all three people were phenomenal players, but that was not good enough, right? That that gets down to, like, party composition. And yeah. that's something that I've worked at really hard, and I don't know that I have a solid answer for you. I mean, there's... there's It's really way too easy to just have a campaign where it's not really somebody's cup of tea. Even if they're a good player. Even if they normally love your games. It's just like, oh, yeah, this isn't really my thing. You know? And that's... That's just like a reality of the game, and I don't know. Maybe there's ways to deal with that. Maybe there's not. Maybe that just requires an honest conversation. I don't think an honest conversation ever really, like, hurts, but, I mean, yeah, you've definitely been through this. I can think of several games you've told or at least one game you've told me about where you were playing in it, and it was kind of this situation, right? Where where we just kind of felt like we wanted different things out of the game? No, you wanted something different from what everyone else at the table wanted. So then you were kind of like the odd one out. And that yeah. was just, can you, can you, that was hard. Do you mind reminding me of, of that time? 
Oh, that was that was the one game that I was kind of distant from because you were um you were it was you and a bunch of other friends you had, but I'd never really met any of them. And yeah. I just remember you coming coming home and being like, Man, I just can't. This this game is like so hard. And you were like it was you were, it was like a very emotional experience for you because you were like i like D so much and there are aspects of this game that i really like but i feel like whenever i say anything they don't like it yeah which that sucks i would say that, that just sucks that was almost like a it gets this is such a complex topic because like when you have a party composition and you're like so the first layer is making sure the dm and the party want the same thing the second layer is making sure all of the members of the party want the same yeah, thing. The totally. third is making sure all of the people in the party want the same thing and the people playing those characters want the same thing and yeah. like each other, right? So <laughs> yeah. that, that's I a think lot. That, that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with, right? And so in the moment... It was, I think, coming to a close of uh, my friendship with that group of people. And I thought our characters still really... That was like the opposite. Our characters still wanted the same thing. But Mm. us as people outside of the game just weren't connecting anymore. And... Wow. And that... That's so hard. That was brutal, right? And and I I think we came out of it well. I think that we all just kind of decided to be like you know what like i don't think this is working out let's just move our separate ways and you know kudos to them for instigating that conversation because sometimes you're just like i was in a bad mental space and it's hard to pull yourself out of that like i mean we all struggle with mental stuff so i don't think that it would be like unreasonable for people to be like i don't know how to get out of this game but you really probably should be getting out of that game right but i think um yeah for me that was another layer of just it being like I want to play this game. I feel like I'm trying to play this game, but I think the people outside of the game are taking Alan, the things they don't like about Alan, into the game. And that's super easy, right? Because I'm sitting there in front of them. So yeah, it, it brings a whole other level of craziness and complexity to this issue. Um, and it so does. I think it's, it's, a, it's important to maybe construct things thusly. First... Have a group of people that you know and like, right? It's oftentimes good to play D&D with people you like. So I think the way that Zach does this is kind of like have those vetting games. I totally think it's reasonable to do a bunch of one-shots with a bunch of random people, figure out who you like, and then invite them back for a bigger campaign. I know that it's like, it's a great thing to want this huge and epic over overarching campaign you know people watching critical role or people listening to adventure zone but i mean those people fucking love each other right they they do all outside of the game want each other to have the best lives they can yeah it's like a kinship it's it's kinship it doesn't happen every time it doesn't happen with every group of players i totally agree but like i think getting that down is step number one even if you want to do those big overarching campaigns run small pieces of it run instances of that campaign and see what people like and don't like about it get feedback but also vet your players right um, totally. and, and then second, once you're all kind of on the same page and you have people that are kind of in the same area, then have that session zero and then subsequent check-ins 
to make sure you're all getting what you want. And I would even suggest as a DM, we all have to, as DMs, we have to kind of put in extra work, right? That's just, it comes with the job, right? That's just kind of how it is. So I would say having maybe even like every now and then check-ins with individual players and every now and then check-ins with the group as a whole, right? I think that that's super valuable. And another thing that might be valuable is common notes. This has been something that I've really benefited from for uh, from mm-hmm. like online games. I have note channels for every player. And so I can see when a player is super engaged and I can see when a player is disengaged, right? And that helps yeah. me understand what they're enjoying about the game and what they're not enjoying about the game. Uh, and sometimes it'll be like different players take notes in different capacities, right? Like, so there'll be one person who's like playing this super intellectual character who like logs everything and they will just be like, going away at their keyboard. The wizard usually. Yeah. And so I will, I will constantly have someone like that. And there'll be other people who write fewer notes, but it's just as valuable because I know that it looks like they're engaged. Right. Um, Uh but that'll be super cool and valuable too. So I think that, um, generally those type of things are effective for me as a blueprint. But now I'm just kind of giving you that blueprint that we talked about at the beginning of the episode back. So who really knows? But like, I think that's hard. That's a good way to start. Maybe. What do you think? No, I agree. A blueprint is a great thing to work off of, but you can't, you can't rely on it exclusively, right? Every group of people is going to function a little bit differently. Every group of people is going to need different things. And you as a DM are probably not going to need the same thing throughout the whole campaign. So like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think um, this is why troubleshooting is an aspect of this, right? Is because you need, as a DM, you need to be able to look into the game and figure out what's going on. And as a player, if you can do that, that is infinitely more valuable to the game. But honestly, unfortunately, I think that responsibility often falls to the DM because a lot of the times uh, it is seen as the DM's story, the DM's realm that yeah. they have to deal with, you know. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. What, one of the best aspects of my original group actually was that the people, different people, ran different games. I think there was a handful of people who were just players, and everyone else was a DM at some point. You know, yeah. we all played in one another's games, and we all learned from one another, and we all enjoyed it, and that set the tone a little more equally you know there was like it wasn't automatically expected that the dm would like totally take over scheduling and motivating people to like think about their characters and build their characters and stuff like that that wasn't all on the dm it was the dm who would instigate it it was the dm who would say okay you guys level up okay we should play again next session but it wasn't exclusively the dm's job to bring all that information to the table. And that's something that I really struggle with as a DM. I I really don't like being the one who has to remind everybody every single time to do all the things that I want. I don't want to write like a huge like page and a half description of a city and then force it down every single player's throat. You know, I I I would hope that I have the charisma and the storytelling capacity to draw people in to to absorb that information on their own. And I've been there before. I've had groups who've done that of their own volition before, but it's rare and it's hard, especially if people are introduced to D&D 
under the guise of like, oh, the DM has complete control and also complete responsibility for the entire game. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a great way to run it. No. Honestly. I, I would I would say that it's a hard way to run it for the DM, right? Yeah. Because DMs already have a lot of stuff on their plate, right? So I don't know. There's a lot of prep that goes into D&D. I think everybody kind of gets that, right? But I think that, um, you know, the more things that you expect your DM to do, the more stress it's going to be on them. And I think oftentimes, as much as you can take away from your DM, it like if you can take away anything, that's valuable, right? So, like, yeah. you know, being the person who schedules or if you guys are oftentimes doing food, right? It's valuable yeah. to have someone else do it, right? Because if you yeah. make the DM prep the session and make the food and set up the table and get everybody in there and check that everybody's on time, you know, it's it's always yeah. that type of stuff can really pile on. And as a DM, we kind of understand that that's kind of expected sometimes. But yeah. like at the same time, help, please. Thank you. <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah. Please help no, me. Totally. And I, honestly, I've had plenty of players bring food. I've had plenty of players. Um, I guess I've had fewer players who have been willing to do scheduling and go out of their way to make that work. But the thing that I've struggled with the most is definitely the immersion part. I, as a DM, am, when I am excited about a game, I am constantly producing stuff for it. Constantly. I I write about, I write new rules. I write, like, a lot, a lot, a lot of lore, uh, often conflicting with itself. Um, (laughs) And I'll send it to my players, and I get that that's really overwhelming to have somebody writing, like, basically the equivalent of like five short stories every week yeah um i've been players in games uh for dms who've done that and it makes the whole game easier if you as a player just take the initiative to just read it or skim it and you don't have to read everything you don't have to look at everything but when the dm sends you something it's probably important. And the worst feeling ever as a DM is to write up this whole super detailed magic weapon and then give it to your players and then they don't even read it. And you're like, all right, so do you want to use this? And they're like, oh, I don't know what it does. And you're like, well, I gave you the the printout. Like, seriously? Okay. So now I just have to like walk you through it or we all have to sit here and you have to just read it. That's that's exhausting. That's like the yeah. most exhausting thing for me is like when I'm responsible for both all of the lore and story and for bringing everybody else through it. That's yeah. so tiring, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel you. I feel you. And I've had that's it. the most common one, I think. Yeah. I, and especially like. I don't know when you go out of your way to like do special like little things for people and then they will just kind of be like oh interesting cool whatever and then they just kind of disregard it I don't know that type of stuff um like like a specific magical item right like that type of stuff can feel super disheartening when you create something for someone uh and and they just don't you know latch in um and then that you know that could come from misunderstanding the desire or it could come from the player just not putting in the effort to try and figure out why it's cool or why the dm made it for you or something like that so um yeah yeah i I don't know and it is like oh as a player it can often be like oh do i have to do homework for this now i thought this was supposed to be fun and that's totally fair it can be a lot it could be a lot to read through but like 
Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Yes. D&D is not like a relaxation thing. It is a fairly active, like, entertainment system. You can't yeah. just sit back on your couch and treat it like a video game. It doesn't really work that way. I think a lot of people have misconceptions about that. I totally agree. I think that the ba- the best way that you can play D&D is if you interact with your D&D, right? Like, if you, if you yeah. sit there and you're like, oh, well, I don't really want to, like... I don't know. I don't want to like, you know, look at this and then like have to do the work to to figure out how my stuff goes. And I want to talk to the DM about like my character backstory and you know like I Why can't. You become I'm a, a trucker. I'm an orphan and I uh, don't like <laughs> cheese and that's my whole character. And it's like okay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, if you don't do homework and, like, some other person comes in and they're like, hey, like, I have a huge scar across my face and I'm terrified of dogs because, like, as a child, I um, I really, like, got horrifically beaten up by a dog. And then, like, I have all this, like, inborn trauma when it comes to, like, you know, wolf creatures. Yeah. But then all of a sudden I became a lycanthrope and it was, like, a huge weird thing for me. And someone who's got, like, a... A character story for that versus trucker man with the inability to eat cheese. It's like what? <laughs> like this? That's a big trucker difference. man. Honestly, sounds phenomenal. Okay, to me. I'm not honestly, gonna I'm gonna but I get your down. point. Sorry, give me a second. Let me write down truckerman who doesn't like cheese. Okay, cool. Got that one written down for my next game. Um, what even is this podcast right now? <laughs> who knows? But yeah, I think that um, that's a big way. Like. I think that oftentimes that can create that weird slack between players, uh, yeah. especially because like if some players are super invested and they're often talking with the DM, I mean, the DM wants to give back to the players who are giving back to them, right? Right. Like, because we've it, definitely talked about that, yeah. And so that that's a huge thing. And so if the DM's like, this person is giving me a ton of feedback. I can rapidly and comprehensively understand what they want out of this game because yep. they are talking to me a lot. But then if there's another player who literally has said zero words to you outside of game. Yeah. How do That's you, not how do you the reconcile? guy who ends up with the climactic battle on the rooftop in the rain against his father, right? right. That's, that doesn't happen for that player because they didn't provide that for you. And honestly, right. I think that's totally out of the comfort zone of some players and that's a like that's fair. That's totally fine, especially early on. Maybe you're not ready for the rooftop fight against your father right. in in the first campaign you ever play. But like, um, I mean, man, I've had such a stark experience with this. I I first college I ever went to. I've gone to two, but the first one, um, I played a game and I ran Edia and. All except for, like, everybody brought, like, your trucker man character, where it was, like, one of them was literally named, um... Oh, yeah. Koopa Troopa. Oh, yeah, and Koopa he was Troopa. the turtle man, and it was the... I hate it. I hated him. I think I killed Koopa Troopa on purpose <laughs> and then pretended it was an accident at some point because I was just infuriated every time that player did anything. But everybody brought a character who was about on that, like, level. Like, that was about par, except for one player... <laughs> who from the first session onward caused such extreme like just distortion and dissonance between him and the rest of the players that it kind of just became his campaign because he came 
knowing place names, knowing lore, knowing everything about his species. He had a whole backstory planned out, and it fit into the world very thoroughly. And, like, when he was telling other the other players in-game, like, when his character was introducing himself, the players outside of the game had no idea what to do because they didn't understand anything he said because he was using my words. He was using my lore, my places. And that was, like, such a phenomenal feeling and simultaneously just, like, why am I even here? Like, yep. what is going on? Yeah. You know, like that, that drastic change between the two is enormous. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Cause like when, when a player, you know, gobbles up all that lore, you want to reward them. So it's hard when other people are like, yeah, I don't care. Like I'm here for the ride. It's like, okay, then you're just here for the ride. And it feels kind of unsatisfying for you. It's not going to be your ride, man. I'm sorry. Right. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I totally agree, man. And, and it's just frustrating when that happens sometimes. Cause I guess I kind of would probably as a DM, I would prefer if people talked to me frequently and told me what they were liking or disliking about the game. Yeah. Or even if they wrote in their notes, right, what they were liking and disliking about yeah. the game. So I think that it's way more valuable for me as a as a DM for people to do that. But, like, it's hard when the dissonance is there, I would say. Absolutely. Do you think – okay, so there's also other types of players, right? So, like – I don't know that I am that player, actually. I don't know that I am the player who always reads all the lore and always reads all the packets and pamphlets and stuff. I think as a player, and maybe this is a symptom of just being a DM so often, I I am much more likely to, like, tell my own story as a player or as a character. And and I really will engage with the campaign, but I may not engage the way that I as a DM would want to be engaged, you know? And yeah. that, so do you, what about you? Do you think that you are that player who reads all the lore and like plays into the game? Or do you think you are the player who tells his own story? Or do you think you're the player who rides along and just is there to kill orcs? Like, which by the way, that's, don't kill orcs. Orcs are people, all right? They can think <laughs> and they have feelings and you should feel horrible for thinking that you have some kind of holy right to strike them down. Yes. I always play an orc, all right? Paladins of right. conquest against orcs shame on you um no but what i was gonna say is like i think for me i'd like to think that i'm a player that interacts with the game in a way that's like relevant to the to the story um do i think that like i do that 100 no do i expect my players to do that 100 no but i think yeah. that the way that i run my games kind of allows them to do that in a certain sense um, because like, for example, mm. I'm playing, uh, a game in Barry's campaign. <gasps> I said his real name. Uh, he's going to get killed now. Uh, he's going to die. Uh, unfortunately, it was just for that one podcast, uh, Alan. What have you done? He has to go back to the witness protection program. Um, oh so God. no, but, uh, what I was going to say, I'm playing in his campaign and I know he has a story that he wants to tell. Right. But I yeah. think the way that we've kind of played has made him change that every now and then. And I think that. I created a character that's supposed to fit in pretty well with that. And I feel like I talk to him a lot about how my character fits into that story. But yeah. I mean, it's not all the time, but I think that I'd like to think I'm that type of player, but I could also understand if people were like, well, I don't know, Alan, you just say a lot of crap and like kind of take over stuff too. Like, I hope I'm not that type of player, but I can see if someone made that argument, how mm. like where they'd be coming from, I guess. So You've been accused of that before, for sure. And I will say, as someone who has DM'd for you, you can be very domineering. But I think that is just because you 
that that doesn't mean you're a bad player or that you're not the player who invests in the campaign at all. I think it's kind of the opposite. I think it's that that gets more into like energy levels and that's fair. Many people are good players. They're just not good players in the same way. They they don't come at the game with the same energy levels. They don't come at the game from the same like perspectives. And I also super struggle with this. I mean, even in your game, I honestly really had a hard time connecting to some of the other players sometimes because yeah. I just I'm I'm like you ask me a question, I have an answer immediately. Yeah. And that means that it becomes a competition to interact with the campaign. And that's not good, right? That's mm. not how a D&D game is supposed to be. So not every good player is going to mesh perfectly with every other good player. It doesn't work that way. There's not like the in crew and the out crew. Yeah. But I, I think um, you, Alan, and probably me as well, we build characters that have a very strong identity and personality of their own. And honestly, the guy I was talking about earlier for that time that I ran Edia the first at the first college I went to, when compared with all of the other characters, he was doing phenomenally. But in all honesty, outside of that, his character was a little bit washed out because he based it completely off of everything that I had written, and he didn't really come with his own story. There was no individual identity for that character. It was yeah. just someone who was... uh exclusively built to fit into my campaign and they did and it was phenomenal but there was more that could have been done with it that wasn't you know and that's that's something that that particular player kind of missed and um that's fair that's that can also be difficult there's a difficult balance to strike there right i definitely struggle with that as a player i struggle with like integrating myself into the story world and into the ongoing story and also like being a character i think most of the time i i tend more towards like telling my own story and being my own character and that can honestly really twist the game world i mean i mean probably one of the best characters i've ever played was moth in your campaign Hmm. in the dawn guard campaign but moth totally twisted that entire world there was a lot and you thankfully you as a dm were gracious enough to allow that to happen and to to give me my spot in that world but um not everybody would be right. That's a lot of yeah. big changes that I was trying to make to the world Honestly, as, a, yeah. as a player. So I, yeah, I agree. Do you think, okay, so this is actually a super interesting piece that I just thought of. Um, do you think that it would be better to come in completely identified or do you think it'd be better to come in trying to fit into the game and then find an identity kind of like as you go along the road? Because I think that, for the amount of time that you play that Edia campaign, which I'm sure was a while, right? Um, do you think that it was better that he came in and was ready for that? And then if could he have evolved into a more interesting landscape uh, of character design? Interesting. Um, like, because I think this also kind of fits into that check-in session kind of feeling that we were looking for, right? If we... If we look at these people and we're like, okay, well, you didn't really know what was happening. Now that you know what's happening, how do you feel your character changing and how you look at your character changing? Yeah. And is is it better wow, to do that? Question. Or is it better to come in fully identified and kind of like grind against the DM until you both kind of sand each other down to a place where you're <laughs> at the same place? Huh. Um... I don't know if I think one is better than the other, to be totally honest with you. I think I definitely come in 
and grind myself against the DM. Um, I think it really depends what you focus on as a player and as a character. So a good example of this uh, is Critical Role. Especially if you look at Campaign 2. Those characters come into that game feeling super real and developed already. Even if they're not, like, haven't gone through their whole character arc, obviously, there's very little time spent in-game trying to figure out the identity of that character. But that's not realistic to actual D&D. Actual D&D, in order to do that, you really have to do, like, four or five big sessions of of character building with each player. And, and or if not that, then the player themselves has to really think on their own about yeah. the character. And I suspect that that's what's gone on with that particular cast of yeah. characters is each person was like, oh, we're going to do a new campaign. What do I want to play? And they thought about it and they texted Matt and they like went back and forth and they had like a whole process of building this character so that when they got to the first session, it didn't feel like waxy and not finished yet, you know? Uh, yeah. But that's not how most characters come about most characters honestly maybe they start with a story maybe they start with a a vision and they morph over time almost all of mine do yeah i would even say they they become a more real person yeah i i agree i think that um something that's important here too is you know those characters those people that go into D&D at Critical Role, they played sessions before the campaign started. They oh. played they played two they played around I think two sessions um before the game even came to fruition, right? Like for example, they like I think it was Bo, Jester and Ford all went on a quest like a session and a half of a quest together before they even got to the first place. They killed the serpent or something. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm pretty sure Liam and Sam did the same thing where they had like some adventures that yes. happened prior to the campaign. Yep, and same and with that's Molly like, and Yasha. That yeah, and that's like honestly, even aside from that, though that's a whole cast of people who are literally professionals at entering a character in one second, right? Yeah. It takes them that long and they're in a character. And I mean, maybe it's not always that easy. I, I'm not going to say that their entire craft is a piece of cake for them, but they are professionals at it. They do it for a living. So right. it's probably a lot easier for them to figure out who someone is or decide who someone is um, in a snapshot. I, I don't even, think it's that easy for uh, uh, us us mortals. I, dude, I would even say like a lot of people have talked about this too, but if you go back and you look at Liam in session one of uh, Critical Role season two, he's not doing a thick German accent because he's still trying to figure Caleb out, right? I would say, like, even when you look at the professionals, they're not 100%. Yeah, there's probably holes. Like, because you could poke in that. Like, like um, Sam's voice is completely different from the beginning. Yeah, it has changed. And Caleb's voice is completely, sorry, Knott's <laughs> voice and Caleb's voices are completely different. From when they started. This turn into a critical role podcast. What is happening? No, no, no. I think it's a good it's a good case study for people who expect it to be yeah. one way, and then we yeah. can use points in this to kind of deconstruct what they believe it to be, and then plainly put it out in a way that like these people are human too, right? They're not gods. They're just playing D and D on a show that everybody likes. It's not like 
vastly insane, like indifference, right? So mm-hmm. I would say that that you can look at that and find things that humanize them in a way that shows you you're not like doing bad if you find your character a little bit along the way. I would say the worst way that you can like not engage in this and the worst way that you can create dissonance is if you are grinding against the DM and you never stop grinding or you never allow like some of the pieces to flake away, right? Or if you are completely, uh, if you haven't created an identity and you're like kind of hoping to look for one and then you never engage, that's also a terrible way to not become a larger part of that, that story. happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so. think a lot of players do that where that's, that's maybe a reason why a lot of players struggle to engage in the campaign properly is because they feel like they've dedicated themselves already to a character and they're not sure how to bring that character to life instead of just being like, Oh, I'm just going to do my best approximation and then it'll evolve. You know? Yep. That's, that's how it works is you do your best approximation and it evolves. And that's honestly a great way to do it. Um, experienced D&D players will get that and they'll try to come to the table with something that is more within their reach. But, I mean, that's kind of troubleshooting as a player. Yeah. On the opposite end of troubleshooting as a DM is like, you know, if you're, if you're like having dissonance between what you want and, and what you're portraying, maybe that's something you should think about. If, if this isn't the character I want to play, if I don't want to play the comedic relief and it was never supposed to be that, it was supposed to be a tragic character, mm-hmm. then how can I look at this and change it to be a tragic character? Yeah, I would actually say, I've had this in one of your games. Uh, I came into um, uh, a one-shot that you were playing one time. We were all getting together from across the realms, trying to get together and play a one-shot. And I drove up yep. in the frosty winter to uh, to where you were, and we God. all went to your house and played a game, and I came in like trying to play this very shy, very not socially adept person. Um, his name was Siegwolf Jäger, and he mm-hmm. was a German person who was not very good at communicating with everyone. And yep. uh, I went in, and I made this character, and I was like, all right, he's going to be kind of shy. And then all of a sudden, everybody else kind of wanted to play these goofier characters, and I was like, you know what? All right, he's goofy now. And then I just went with <laughs> yep. it. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. So I think it's not bad to find your way when it gets there. As long as you're happy. Yeah, as long as you're happy. Yeah. If you're happy and you're fitting into the game, cool. Yeah. I think that also a lot of people will come in and they'll be like, well, like, I don't know if my character would do this. And I oftentimes would say if you're in the game and you're making a decision, that's what your character would do because you're kind of like, I mean, you're playing that character so what does it mean if you're if it's not what your character would do right i think as you learn what your character is doing you'll figure it out more and more and more and that's exactly how it works your character just does things and then you figure it out from there you form in your head a personality around the things that they do a really good example of this is back to the space western a certain character by the name of artemis who seemed pretty normal 
and then brutally murdered <laughs> a number of <laughs> I forgot about of that. innocent oh my farms gosh. people. Yep. Yeah. And that was a very characterizing moment from then on. Yep. Instead of as the DM being like, well, I don't think you would do that. As the DM, I was like, all right, that's your identity okay. now. You're a monster. Sounds good. And, yeah. Uh, that person listens to this podcast. Yes. Uh, she's wonderful. Shout out to that person. Um, Shout but, out to individual number five. Yes. <laughs> but no, that was cool, right? Like, I, I think ultimately it was a learning moment too, right? Because like we talked to mm-hmm. her afterwards. They're like, why'd you do this? And she was just like, well, someone else did it. Yep. Maybe it wasn't yeah. the best idea for me. But th- then she. Then that's what Artemis is like. Yeah, she had to live cool. with that. And she'd be like, okay, well, I'll just change my character mm-hmm. to be a little bit more like that. You know what I mean? And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Totally. And you can honestly, you don't even have to do that. You can rebuke it. In the next session, you as your character can express grief or remorse over something that you did yeah. or, or regret in some way. That's equally characterizing. Yep. So Totally agree. Totally 100% agree. Cool. I feel like that is a very comprehensive look at session zero. Check-ins. Uh, session zeros, expectations, check-ins, kind of like troubleshooting as yep. a DM and as a player. Um, we didn't answer every question. Not every question can be answered, but we no. answered all the answerable ones. Yep. And if you're looking for a more comprehensive podcast on this subject, well, you won't find one. This is the end all be all. Nope. We are the lords of D&D and that's how it goes. <sighs> it's true. Um, we pet so many goats after the last podcast that we became <laughs> ascended and there's no way to stop our power. Remember extra dimensions. So I could do whatever I want. I could raise it's Cthulhu. True. It's true. You don't know. I can't remember the name of the world at the beginning. Is it because I have a bad memory? Or is it because I know so many worlds that I can't remember them all? That's for you to decide and for us to discuss on our next podcast when we talk about multidimensional danger. Okay, bye. All right. Say goodbye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. The fact that you've made it here to the end means the world to us. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with your friends, or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show your support. You can follow us on Twitter at A Journey's Rest, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash A Journey's Rest Podcast. If you have any questions for us to answer, you can send them to journeysrestpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us, and we hope the rest of your day is wonderful. See you again at our table soon.